Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. This episode is brought to you by Micah Media Podcast Booking Solutions. Grow your business, brand, and network by getting featured on top-level podcasts. Micah Media specializes in connecting visionary leaders, entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs with the right podcasts that align with their ideal target audience. This is my company. Super proud of the pivot that we've made. We went from doing podcast production to solely guest booking now. And I've just seen that no matter what happens in the world with uncertainties of the world, we're always going to need to be able to share our story, build new community, tap into new audiences that align with our current ones, and continue to build relationships, which could potentially be joint venture partnerships. Those three things, if you have a business, are essential, right? If you're an author, a coach, we got to get out of our comfort zone and out of our small audience that we serve and try to tap into new audiences, right? That's the game is that you want to find similar audiences like yours and tap into other people's audiences. Podcasting is so powerful like that. It's a marketing tool of our new generation. I'm telling you, this is going to be, it, it really, like you see it in people like Tony Robbins, um, Gabby Bernstein, Ed Milet. They all go do these podcast tours, right? They don't just do it for fun because they're tapping into all of these different people's networks and all those people buy their books, right? If I had a, uh, if I had a nickel for everybody that's come on my show that I've, I've interviewed that I've gotten hired after, well, I may have a few nickels. Let's just say that. So it's powerful, right? You guys know podcasting, having a conversation with somebody, um, a meaningful conversation, a real conversation allows for almost like you're selling your service without selling and then people want to take the next step. So that's the way it is. We got to look at building new communities, new relationships, new audiences, sharing that story. That's why I'm so passionate about this because I want to help you do that. Okay, we got a promotion going on right now. If any of you guys want to join in on that in the next 30 days, you want to get on some podcasts, the link is below. It'll take you to my team. We'll talk to you. We'll find out your goals and we'll get you rocking. Okay. Don't miss out on this opportunity. We got a great deal right now and I don't want you to miss out. I'm not just saying that for scarcity. It's, it's going to go up. I just, we're just new at launching this out. I partnered up with somebody awesome. That's been sending me amazing people over the last 18 months where we've, we've combined forces and now we're rocking and we're rolling, but I want to offer it to you guys at our first price and yeah, that's it. So book a call with us, book a call with our team, find out your goals, and let's get you on some podcasts and rock and get some sales, get some new community, and make it some new friends along the way. All right, enjoy the episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Super grateful to have you here with us today. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family. All your regular listeners, welcome back. If you aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, Please do so wherever you're listening, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or wherever, CastBox, hit the subscribe button or the follow button. And if you want to watch this on YouTube, you want to watch all the funny faces I make when I'm listening to people and interviewing, I would highly recommend going over to YouTube. 
subscribe there, follow, hit the bell to stay notified. You guys all know the drill. And also, if you do get value from this, what really helps is leaving a review on Apple. It's interesting because not all the Apple reviews are on there. And depending on what country you're in, it's like what you can see. I can see a certain amount, but then someone else in like Canada can see a different amount. So the total's not on there, but it still helps regardless. And if you can leave an a uh, review on Spotify as well, if you choose, if you'd rather do Spotify, this is something that you wasn't available before on Spotify. So if you go there, there's not many reviews because I don't think this is, this has only been a few months. This, the, the Spotify, you could hit like five stars if you want. There's not like a written review, but it's pretty new and I never really sent anybody there. I always just sent them to Apple. So now you can leave a five-star on Spotify. It really helps you guys. And, you know, I just, yeah, I, I want to know. And the, the good thing about Apple is that Apple, you can actually read people's reviews, which I've said I'm going to read out. I'm going to start reading them out again. I think it's important and I will read them out. So yes, if you guys can, it's greatly appreciated. So today's conversation was a powerful one. Uh, I had Andrew Schultz joining me. He is um, a partner. In a, he's in a relationship with a good friend of mine, Melissa Blinn, who's been on the show before. Powerful, powerful couple. And I got to connect with Andrew and he is just, um, just a, a breath of fresh air. Just a really, really great dude. Committed to the journey, committed to healing, committed to helping others do the same. And I just had such a fabulous conversation with him. And the great thing about it is like, I could really resonate with him. I could see myself in his story a lot. And that's, you know, that happens quite a bit. And it just makes for, I don't know, it's just such a great conversation when you know that somebody's kind of been down the similar road, you can really relate, right? So as you guys know, you know, I, we explore a lot of topics on here. We go deep some conversations deeper than others. And yeah, I just want to be able to give you guys the best tools, tips, and resources for moving through adversity. Because the the honest truth is like, there's some wild times coming, fam. There's some wild times coming. There's going to be some challenges and there's going to be people, you know, financially stuck. And there's there's going to be a lot. I don't have a crystal ball, but at the end of the day, doesn't matter what's going on around you. You have to have the eternal tools and you have to be able to figure out how to get yourself, you know, how to overcome yourself essentially every single day, right? It starts with yourself. You can't control the people around you. You can't control what others are doing. You can't control the economy. All you can do is control what you are doing every single day. Do the best you can in the present moment and trust that what you're doing is the right thing and the decisions you're making is the right move for your long term. Um, success, right? And that's the whole point of this is is not just to have a show to you know talk about this shit and not use it. It's like here's some tools. Hopefully, you can relate to these stories. And like when shit hits the fan, you got some tools and you got some stuff that you can apply in your own life, right? That's the whole point. So let me read out a little bit about Andrew before we get into it and some of the stuff we covered. Andrew is Andrew Schultz is an international speaker, facilitator, coach, podcaster, and mentor. His teachings and vulnerable online offerings are enjoyed daily by 22,000 plus readers on Instagram, and his weekly podcast is downloaded in over 77 countries worldwide. 
Andrew's favorite coaching mantra, be the change you want to see in the world, is the foundation of all his offerings. That's also one of my favorite mottos as well from Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. It's so true. It's so true. Like if you want to see change in others, change yourself first, right? Such a powerful quote. Andrew has also worked with numerous corporate clients in areas of mindfulness and leadership training. And he's mindfulness and leadership training, such as TaylorMade, Conagra, Lululemon, Vuori, Gojana, and Boston Consulting Group. Forgive me if I pronounced one of those wrong. And today's episode, we go through Andrew's journey from addiction and rock bottom in 2015, losing his will to live, going through celebrating his seven years of sobriety, which is awesome. And then we just dive into a lot of different conversations around addiction, trauma, and pretty much everything. <laughs> we covered a lot. Some things you I would recommend paying attention to that you'll learn. The harsh truth about dealing with alcohol and drugs, the importance of a father's role in child development, how psychedelics can be used in a person's healing journey, the secret to making relationship work and thrive, and practical advice to deal with adversity and negative thoughts. We covered a lot, like I said, and um, you might want to get some sort of note-taking um, notepad or whatever whatever you kids are using with your phones these days. I'm old school. I mean, I love to write notes down, but I still use my phone too, but I try to use, I like to write it. So yeah, this was a great episode. Highly recommend checking out Andrew's work and what he does because he's, he's, he's a hell of a dude and I really, really enjoyed this. So enjoy episode 384, The Journey of Healing from Trauma and Addiction. Andrew, welcome to University of Adversity, my man. <laughs> Lance, I'm stoked to be here, man. Me too, me too. I'm looking forward to diving into your story because I think this is such an important topic and I've personally battled with this in my own life and you know sobriety and addiction it's it's you know alcohol is a, is is a real issue in people's lives and it's sneaky right and it can really people don't realize the problem that it is and how it's affecting their life and you know i'm curious to kind of dive in let's i also know that you know, learning about your story, you put, you're a three-time all-conference NCAA baseball player, which is like really impressive. So I'm curious as to like, maybe let's start with that. Walk us through a little bit of your experience as an athlete and what led you to ending up becoming, you know, getting involved in the drugs and the alcohol and all that craziness and having things kind of unwind. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Playing sports growing up, Lance, you know, that was, I learned early on, that was how I received love from my parents. The more I excelled playing sports, the more accolades and acknowledgement I received in return. So me being a, a boy, like a, a child, I'm like, okay, when I do this, I receive more love. So I'm going to keep doing this and excel at this because my dad gives me more accolades and pays attention to me more when I do good on the sports field. And so my identity from early on was, you know, I'm good at sports. When I play sports, I get acknowledgement and that's all I needed. And so, you know, playing baseball and football, you know, as a child, you know, when we were 10 years old, my little league team won the little league world series. 
We beat Hawaii 22 to 10. My senior year of high school football, our team won the state championship. And so as I look back, Lance, like what I was also doing was that was where I found my peace. And there was a lot of things going on in my personal life. You know, my, my parents got a divorce. My best friend committed suicide when I was 16. So that was my sanctuary when I was playing sports. And I knew that was my happy place. And so went and played college baseball. And my goal was to play professional baseball. And I realized after I, my senior year of college that that wasn't going to work for me. I wasn't good enough. And I remember like my mom's like, well, it's time for the real world now. And I'm like, okay. And I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Nebraska, played baseball in Kansas. And then I packed up, packed up all my stuff and moved to San Diego, August 16th, 2002. And for me, you know, my identity for my whole life was playing sports. And so here I am at 22 years old, getting ready to jump into the corporate world. Well, who am I if I don't play sports? And, you know, if I don't have sports, if I'm not an athlete, who am I? And I remember I really struggled with that, Lance. I'm 22, like, who am I if I don't have sports? And, you know, I, I shifted my identity to, to work. And I jumped into the corporate world and that became my identity for a long time. And looking back, alcohol and drugs was on all, it, it's always been a problem. At age 13, I started using drugs and alcohol. And, you know, when we, when we start using drugs and alcohol and substances, we stop growing emotionally. So I stopped growing emotionally when I was 13. And, you know, every time I was intimate with a woman, I needed to be under the influence because I was insecure. I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought I needed that substance to feel comfortable around women. And that continued up until I was 36 years old. And, you know, as I was in the corporate world, that became my identity and I was all in and I worked my way up the corporate ladder. You know, I was an executive, a, a vice president at one of the largest corporations in North America, had the corner office, had all this stuff, season tickets for the chargers when they were playing in San Diego still. I was flying first class, drinking expensive wine, playing golf at the nicest country clubs because of my job title. People wanted my business because of my job title. And that was not sustainable for me because drugs and alcohol was still with me. And I used drugs and alcohol more and more as I continued having more success because I didn't have the tools to deal with stress when stress came and stress became more and more as I started accumulating more and more stuff. And that house of cards came tumbling down. I got fired from that corporate job and it was the best thing that ever happened. And I got fired from that corporate job in November, 2011. And I didn't get sober until August 30th, 2015. So there was a couple of years there that was really, really dark for me. And I had a bunch of money in my account and I just this downward spiral of my addiction and hanging out with people that not of the highest character. And I just, I ended up pissing it all away. And my rock bottom was taking a bunch of sleeping pills and not wanting to wake up. And that despair, that, that darkness that I, my best thinking was if, if I just take these sleeping pills and, and don't wake up, my life will be better. I don't wish that pain and suffering upon anybody. And that was the darkest I've ever been. And my family ended up doing an intervention, which 
saved my life. And they got me into a treatment facility where my journey of sobriety started on August 30th, 2015. Seven years. Congratulations. Yeah. I just celebrated seven years. And you know, it, it, if it wasn't for my family and I, and the grace of God, you know, mm. it, it, I'm a miracle. And we had done an intervention on my father back in 2009. So my dad's been sober 12 years. And if he wouldn't have shown the courage to say yes to our intervention, to getting sober himself, there's no way I would have done that. But my dad was the one who really showed the courage, Lance, to, to change the trajectory of our generational addiction, that disposition that's been in our family. My dad said yes, and he got sober on Christmas morning, 2009, and that was literally a Christmas miracle. And then they returned the favor in 2015. And so now today, my dad and I both celebrate our sobriety together and our relationship, which has been really complicated, sometimes estranged, has never been better. And it's, it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened. And I, don't, I, I wouldn't change anything in my past because it got me to, to where I am today. It's beautiful, man. Congratulations. And I always thank you. And I always say, you know, my rock bottom and darkest hour is now my greatest asset and brightest light to inspire hope for others. I can resonate with so many levels of your story, you know, from even going back to getting validation as an athlete, you know, like, you know, I, it's crazy because I haven't really talked to anybody and heard that same sort of story that is kind of so similar to mine is that feeling like you're only somebody when you're performing or doing well in the sport, that's when you get this like praise. And when you, when you have a shitty game or you're not playing well, then it's like, there's like this withdrawal of, of love or, you know, from, you know, you know, dads and you, usually it's dads. And I want to kind of ask you this. It's, you know, you, it's intense in the sports world. Right. And you know, they, they're, it's really intense and it's emotional. And, you know, from, for me with my dad, it was very like, man, if I had a shitty game, it was like, he, I just never heard the end of it. And I, it wasn't until like recently where I've really un, I've unpacked it and been like, wow, like that's crazy. That's, that was my feeling. That was my validation is, is from my dad was when I did well in sports. And if I didn't, then it was like this really horrible feeling. And I was curious, I'm, I'm curious about the relationship with your dad. Like, how did, how did he treat you when things weren't going well in sports? Like, what was that relationship like? And did that lead to you picking up these addictive behaviors? So my relationship with my dad, it's only until recently, Lance, have I really started to unpack it and start to heal. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Like growing up, like, my dad was always there. Like he was my biggest fan. He never missed a game. I was playing baseball in Kansas, five hours away from Omaha, where my family lived. And he came to 56 games every spring, road games, home games. He would commute 10 hours just for a home game. He never missed a game. And he was doing the best he could with what he had, his emotional intelligence. Yeah. And there was a lot of constructive feedback, even when I played well on what I could do better. And so part of me is like, you know, part of me feels guilty, Lance, because other 
my other players on my team didn't have dads that were present at all or weren't around the house at all. So sometimes I'm like, how can I feel guilt? I feel guilty for having a wanting a different relationship and dynamic in my relationship with my dad. But the truth is there's a lot of things I never received and learned from him growing up. Like I remember one time I was playing, I was pitching and I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And when there was a runner on first base and I was in a stretch position, I had so much anxiety. I, I kept thrown over to first base because I was, I was so overwhelmed. My nervous system was dysregulated and I was so overwhelmed and it was so miserable. And after the game, I remember t- telling my dad, I was like, dad, this is what's going on. This mental obsession, this overwhelm of anxiety when I'm pitching and runners on first base. And the response I got was just, you're, you're okay. You're okay. Don't worry about it. You're okay. And that's an example of he was doing the best he could with what he had. And he, there's a lot of healing that's continuing to take place from things that happened growing up. You know, there was a divorce in my family and there was behavior that was, there was a lot of shame and behavior that I wasn't proud of. And we lived in a small community. And so that was a big reason why I wanted to get, get away. I wanted nothing. I just wanted to create a new life away from that dynamic. And through sobriety, his sobriety and my own sobriety, we've been able to heal so much. I talk to him every day. I say, I love you. One of the things that has helped me is, you know, the use of psychedelics. That's been a huge part of my healing journey. And in recovery, there's a stigma around psychedelics. And I really want to be clear on this. I found a therapist with, there was a huge amount of preparation with this therapist. For me, it was psilocybin on a five hour journey that there was preparation up front. There was the journey for five hours, and then there was a huge amount of integration, but I got to experience and feel viscerally the pain of my dad, the pain and suffering. He's 79 years old. I got to transmute and feel his pain and shame and resentment of a life that is not he hasn't had the ability to resolve and heal and do the work. And I got to experience that wow. just recently. I got to, I got to feel his pain and suffering. And I also, to take it a step further, I got to feel the pain and suffering of generations of men in my family who haven't had the tools to be able to process and heal trauma. And this is all new work that I'm in right now on my father's side, you know, stepping into my own healthy, divine masculine, because for so long I was a adolescent boy disguised as a man hurting a lot of people around me. And because of the use of, you know, integration of psychedelics for, you know, trauma is not our responsibility, but our healing is I've been able to heal a lot of things from my past and continuing to heal, but my relationship with my father is the biggest one I'm in right now. And, you know, I've done more work in the last nine or 10 months. One thing that happened, Lance, when I was six and a half years sober, I just got out of a relationship with a woman. It was August 12th, just nine, 10 months ago. And the relationship ended and I had a suicidal thought. And this is me 
doing everything I can in sobriety, you know, going to recovery meetings, working the 12 steps, taking other men through the 12 steps, being a service. And I was in such a dark place. It was a Thursday night and I had a thought of suicide because here I am again in a failed relationship with a woman and I thought I was broken. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought I was dysfunctional because the one thing I wanted most in life, Lance, intimate, deep connection with a woman, with a partner, I couldn't get. And I thought I'm incapable of loving somebody and opening my heart and letting down the walls. And that was the impetus to pursue the psychedelic journey. My first journey was all around healing trauma from the feminine that I got to experience for that five hours, that resistance, the back and forth with a therapist. And I just want to be clear, this is not for everybody, psychedelics, to have reverence and respect for this medicine and to have preparation and integration with somebody, a trained professional. But it was the most transformational experience of my life. And I got to heal wounds from the past with the feminine. I got to forgive and create new possibilities. And shortly after that journey, after I'd broken up with my ex-girlfriend, when I was suicidal, in, embarking on the psychedelic journey, shortly after that journey on November 22nd, I met my current partner, who you know, Melissa, and amazing he's taking completely different actions, Lance, as part of my integration. I'm, I'm getting completely new experiences and new possibilities because I'm taking new actions in my relationship with the feminine. And I've got a completely new experience in a loving partnership and deep connection that I've never experienced in my life because I've done this work. So would you say that, is it safe to say that psilocybin allowed you to open your heart to a different level that you probably haven't been able to feel before? Cause I like, it's such a powerful, like when you drop in and you, you're able to, yeah, like it's powerful that you're able to feel all of that from your dad. And because a lot of people don't, they don't understand they've never done it. Like that, that conscious, that level that it takes you to, and it's so powerful and you're just like, it can bring you to tears. There was a lot, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of noises. So for me, it was my experience that for the first time in my life, for that first five hour psilocybin journey on November 22nd, I had access to the pain and suffering that was blocking me from my being able to commit and be in a relationship with the woman because I was holding on to past traumas that I couldn't access anything different. I couldn't access the pain and suffering in my normal consciousness because my ego is keeping me safe and doesn't want me to look at the pain of the past because it, it's, there's so much pain and suffering there. And the ego's job is to keep us safe. Psilocybin sets the default mode network to the side, dissolves the ego. So now I have access. The medicine shows me what I need to see. And it's the pain and suffering that I was viscerally and literally holding on to. 
with my relationship with the feminine based on things that happened in the past. And I got to make the conscious choice through that five-hour journey with psilocybin, with a trained therapist there by my side to let me know I'm safe. For an hour and a half, the resistance and back and forth of who am I if I let go of this story that women are bad and can't be trusted? Who am I? What's my identity? If I forgive that, step into a new possibility, who am I then? And the resistance of letting that old story go was the gnarliest experience I've ever, in, in, in my 43 years, and I finally made the decision, I got to choose in that moment, after the back and forth, I'm ready to step into this new possibility. I'm ready to forgive and heal and create new possibilities. And that I had access to that pain and suffering and that pain and suffering, Lance, literally was ripped away from my right hamstring, my right hip and my vertebrae. I felt the somatic release of that pain and I felt like I could literally feel it being ripped away from my bones, the pain. And I never experienced anything like it. And that's what I had access to thanks to the psilocybin. And then afterwards, I got through the integration. I took massive action to step into a new possibility with the woman by taking completely different actions. So I want to really illustrate something that I see in this psychedelic space people talking about their journey, their recreational high without doing the integration and the follow-up afterwards. 100%. And it's hurting a lot of people because people in recovery, this is life and death, that this right. medicine is available to help heal people who are battling depression, PTSD, trauma, anxiety, addiction. And this medicine is available and can help and has helped me and many others with reverence and proper preparation and integration mm -hmm. with somebody who is qualified in that field. And I stepped into a new possibility by taking different new actions with women, with Melissa, my partner now, to get a new possibility. And I healed and had forgiveness with the people of my past where that pain and suffering and trauma came from and it was it's been the most beautiful healing journey and it's really important lance for people to understand trauma is not our responsibility but our healing is well said yeah there's a lot of i mean psychedelics has been a huge part of my healing journey too and but the thing is for me it's like i'm the same when i get the information the the homework it's like, you got to integrate that into your life before you go and seek new answers, right? A lot of people, they go and they have an experience and they're not happy with the answers. So they want more answers and they're not willing to just do the things that they're supposed to do first. And it creates a lot of chaos. It creates a lot of confusion, you know, like not everything is literal. It like can really turn people into like, it creates more chaos essentially and it can be such a powerful tool but it can it can definitely cause confusion and and you know we've talked about it a lot on the show over the years not so much lately but i'm glad i'm glad we brought this up because i i, I enjoy talking about this 
It's just because like I haven't done any since ayahuasca in the beginning of 2021. And I think it's a good point to bring up that it can be such a powerful tool, but you got to give it the respect and you got to give it the time and the intention that it deserves. And I guess there's a question that came up when you were speaking about this that I want to ask you. And because usually when we go into something, we're thinking the problem that we're trying to address is one thing and ends up being something else. So I'm curious as to like, when you went into this experience, what was your intention? Like, were you already thinking, well, I need to heal this part of me because of, of this, you know, part, you know, the, I got to heal my relationship with, with women, or did you think it was something else? And then you ended up getting these downloads that that was the problem or that was what you needed to heal. Like, what was your intention going into it? Well, great question. And, and there's two separate psilocybin journeys. The first one was November 22nd to answer your question. And my intention was really clear. I want to heal my relationship with the feminine mm. because here I am 43 years old and I couldn't get, have access to and be in relationship with a woman and get the one thing I wanted most in life, a deep, intimate, loving relationship and connection with a partner. And my intention was, I want to heal my relationship with the feminine. There's something there that needs my attention and I need access to it in a way that I didn't have access to it with my other personal development, mindfulness, recovery tools. And I'd done a lot of research about psychedelics. And there's so much awesome research and science being done at places like Johns Hopkins, NYU, Cal Berkeley, that psilocybin, this healing mechanism that helps heal people from their trauma, depression, TSD. And so my intention was healing my relationship with the feminine. It was really clear. And through that five-hour journey, Lance, which the five hours of a healing journey equals about 10 years of therapy. There was four distinct things that happened. One, I got to experience the fear of coming out of my mom's womb as a newborn. And the fear my mom had as I came out, I got to feel that, which was amazing. Wow. I remember I turned my head and I could see the first light and the fear I had of coming out of my mom's womb as a newborn, that I didn't know I needed to see that. That was the first thing I saw though in my healing journey. Second thing I saw was I needed to forgive myself for, I lost my nephew, Mason. His ashes are in this cross. He was 12 years old. He passed away from cancer, a rare brain tumor, a cancer. And it was in my addiction my downward spiral of my addiction. And I wasn't there for him and my family when he passed. And I had a lot of resentment towards myself for that. And I didn't realize the amount of resentment I had towards myself for not being there. And so the second thing I got to experience in that first psilocybin journey was forgiving myself for not being there for my nephew. And ironically enough, Lance, this was my safety during that journey. I wore his ashes around my neck and kept touching his ashes and saying his name. When I felt overwhelmed or when I felt unsafe, I always came back to him to feel safe and the, how everything came full circle with here he is around my neck, his ashes, 
as I'm embarking on my part of this healing journey. Third thing that happened is I got to, I got awareness that I needed to make amends to my boss who fired me from my corporate job. I didn't realize I needed to heal that relationship. So I reached out to him, part of the integration. I reached out to my old boss who fired me from that corporate job and I got to heal our relationship. And then the fourth thing that happened is the healing with the feminine. I got to, I got access to the pain and suffering that I had been holding on in my body because the body keeps score. Every memory and experience that we have in life gets stored in our body. And I got to have that somatic healing release from the pain and suffering from trauma with the feminine that I had been holding on to. But I didn't realize that extent that I had been holding on to it. And it was literally killing me. And it was the most transformational experience because if I wouldn't have embarked on that healing journey and I might've went my whole life thinking I'm thinking there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm dysfunctional. I'm not capable of loving somebody and having a partnership and being in a sacred union. There might've been a suicidal ideation that ended in a different way. I don't know, but my responsibility is to heal and not play a victim and not blame. And so I invested resources and in people around me to help me heal. And so my intention was to heal my relationship with the feminine. I got so much more and I had access to so much more that otherwise I wouldn't have had access to because like I said, our brain, our ego keeps us safe. And in that medicine journey, I had access to the healing that needed to take place that otherwise I wouldn't have had access to, which inspired me six months later, just recently to embark on my second journey with the intention of healing my relationship with my dad and the masculine. And now that is my greatest work, which is why I love working with men because we are wearing this mask of masculinity that is literally killing us and those around us. And that is my, what's most alive for me right now is creating men's circles, working with men through my one-on-one coaching program to empower and support and acknowledge other men to give them permission to be vulnerable, to uncover what's getting in the way of them being their best self, usually uncovering negative mindset. Men are at war with themselves, uh, dealing with overwhelm of stress and not having the tools discovering the things that are getting in the way of them getting connection with others, pornography, you know, addiction, it's, it's pornography, it's sex, it's gambling, it's work, it's drugs, it's alcohol. There's so much more in regards to addiction and addiction is simply any behavior that you cannot stop doing that ends in negative consequences. Hmm. So uncovering for men that I work with what's getting in the way, discovering the negative impact it's having on their life and those around them, and then disc, in, disc, uncover, discover, and then discard, create new ways of being. And men, we don't ask for help, Lance, as you know, and we're killing ourselves and each other. And yeah. what, am I doing, what am I doing about it? That's, what, that's, what I'm, that's what's most alive for me right now. I'm curious... 
as well around your relationship with the feminine is that, and this is something that I have realized in my life and you being a good looking guy, right? You obviously got attention from women growing up, athlete, you know, high end executives, you're getting, you're out party, you're getting validation from women. Let's be honest. Right. And a lot of our self-worth can get tied up in if she chooses me or if I'm worthy and if, and if I, if she doesn't, if I don't get that from her, then like, that's, that, that hurts the ego. Right. And when you're, I know for me, when, when that was my validation as a man is like getting the girl and like, that was the, like some sort of conquest. And then when I didn't get that, it would like hurt. And it like, it messed my relationship up with women too, because it was like, well, what am I, am I actually seeking this woman because of, I actually want to be with them or is it some sort of game within myself? And then when they don't choose me, I want them more. It's, and you know, this is stuff that I'm realizing too within myself and I'm fixing, I'm working on, and I'm just curious as to that with you as to like, how has that changed with your, you know, relationship now? And, you know, because it's got to, I, 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 I guess, you know, that it had to be there for you and that had to be, had to play a little bit of a game with you also. I can relate. And what comes up for me, Lance, when I hear you ask that question and, and you know, one of the, one of the, my, one of the most powerful things is one man saying to another, yeah, me too. I understand. Mm. And I understand what you just said. And what's really tough for me is uh, I heard a lot of women. I heard a lot of, I heard a lot of people around me because of that selfish behavior, not being mature enough to be in a relationship with heart open and walls down, mm -hmm. going from woman to woman because it was a conquest. And I look back, man, I hurt a lot of people and it's, that's the toughest thing for me is uh, and I, through the, the process of the last seven years, I've been able to, to make amends for a lot of my behavior, but I want to be really clear. I still have some work. I have still have work to do with people I hurt and it's part of my healing journey. And it's the most important thing I can do is take responsibility, clean up my side of the street and reach out to the people I hurt and say, I fell short and I'm sorry. And that's not who I am anymore. But that's the toughest part about my behavior, you know, over the years. And man, it's knowing that I'm capable of so much more. And I, over the last nine months in my partnership with, you know, my girlfriend now is I know I can show up for her and us. I'm leaning in, I'm being vulnerable. We're having conscious conversations around intimacy, what she likes, what I like, which too, I don't know if you can relate, but these aren't the things I grew up with. Like my dad saying, Hey son, make sure you talk about what you ask for, what you need, want and need in a relationship. Yeah. Talk about money being like, these are not things I was embodied growing up. And it's been my experience, not many of us that grew up with our fathers had that experience. And it's not blaming, it's not shaming. 
but like having conscious conversations around money and intimacy. And these are things I'm able to do now showing up for our relationship in a way I've never done before. Focus on her needs and satisfying her needs, going to her versus expecting her to come to me. That selfish behavior with the integration of the work that I've been doing. The best part, Lance, is to see her stepping into her feminine, knowing that she can trust me because I'm stepping into my healthy divine masculine in a way I've never done with her allows her to soften and it brings us even closer together. And this is a new possibility I didn't know was possible. And the, one of the things when I share this on social media and when I share my truth and what's most alive, there's a lot of people who have negative perspective because it might come across as I'm preaching on how to be in a relationship, yet all I'm doing is sharing what's most alive and showing others what's possible when we do this work as men, but I have more trolls and people and than I've ever had before because I'm sharing what's most alive. Well, and they see something in you that they want. That's it. You're not doing anything wrong, but showing up and it, it triggers them because they know that they're not in alignment with themselves and they see that in you and they see like, why is this person able to do this? And I'm not. I appreciate you saying that because it's, it's, it's leap to come from a place of compassion and to see that people project based on their own stuff. You're hundred percent right. And, but I don't know if that answers yeah. your question. No, it does, man. It does. And you know, knowing Melissa as well for a, a few years now, she has done an incredible amount of work on herself, which is, you know, so important also. Right. I feel like you guys just came together at this time and it's so beautiful because, you know, if somebody else isn't doing the work, it's really challenging, right? You don't have to do the same thing exactly as your partner, but you got to be on the same trajectory, at least of like wanting to level up and heal yourself and, and take ownership. And if you're both doing that for yourself, you're only going to make your relationship that much better, right? How much has that helped finding a person that is actually committed to the work? It's everything. And, and, you know, every, it's energy, you know, our frequency, you know, quantum physics kind of geeking out for your audience. Like everything is energy. So our vibration, our vibe attracts our tribe. There's a law of attraction. And so the work that I'm doing and the work she's doing, we came together. We, we can't not come together and meet because our energy frequency is aligned. And so we met at just the right time. She had been done. You know, I, I really want to acknowledge her Lance and you know, her work in fit for service yeah, or work on her own stuff, you know, based on her experiences and me working on my stuff coming together at just the right time. You, you can't, it's, there's no coincidences and I couldn't plan it any better and it can't not happen based on the work that we're doing and the energy frequency that we're putting out into the universe with what's most alive for each of us in the moment. Mm -hmm. And the compassion that she has for me and my work, my compassion for her, like I see her little scared little girl. When she acts out, she wears, she puts her feisty pants on and she acts out sometimes and I can sit back and hold it, all of it, knowing I can see her little girl based on things that happen in her life, mm -hmm. scared, fear, 
and I can see it in that realm. But in the past, I would just see her acting out, me going into my defense mechanism and then avoidance and then leaving the relationship because it got uncomfortable. Right. But I can see her hold her little girl, hold a safe container for all of it, seeing she just needs to work through that and then she'll come back. But that's, that's a behavior that, she, and I have the same thing. My mechanism is avoidance of, you know, avoiding stonewalling. Yet she knows based on my history and experiences, she knows that's my defense mechanism based and to, to have that compassion for each other. That's what makes it work. Mm. Without that understanding of our little boy and little girl seeing each other, I'm out, you're out, it's uncomfortable. But instead we get to lean in and be in relationship in a way that I've never, I've ne never been able to do based on the emotional intelligence I had at the time, which is why this work is, man, is so freaking important. And it's, you know, there's so many healing mechanisms out there for people, yeah. whether it's psychedelics, whether it's somatic healing, whether it's breath work, just knowing that we are responsible for our healing. And so many of us are playing the victim. I'm broken. I'm not good enough. And that's bullshit, man. Yeah. We're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us. We just need to surround ourselves with people who can help us and ask for help and have that willingness. Right. Yeah. There's, imagine we had this kind of knowledge when we were growing up. Like imagine this stuff was taught. Like, like we're learning this. I started learning this stuff. I'm 38. You know, I started getting into this stuff three years ago. You know, it's taken me, you know, I'm on my sober journey too right now. You know, I'm five going on five months. I've been, I've fallen off over. I went a year, I went seven months, you know, but you know, this, this journey is just, it's so interesting as it takes us so long to develop the awareness. And I just think about, wow, imagine learning this stuff when we're just kind of getting into the world, like, you know, 20 years old, 19 years old, you know? How much, how much better the world would be. And I guess, I mean, this is where the shift happens, right? Yeah. And I think for me, Lance, like I want to acknowledge you, my man, because it's your podcast, it's your work, it's you being vulnerable to share your journey and your story. You bringing on guests who have a message to reach people at just the right time for the right reasons, like your work, what you're doing is so important and it's needed now more than ever. And us having this vulnerable conversation about I'm 43, you're 38. We're learning things now, better now than never. And yeah. we are, I know we're inspiring hope for at least one person listening and being like, it's not too late, man. It's never too late. Yeah. You know, there, and there is hope. There are ways to heal. And that's the best part about what you're doing. And I, I want to acknowledge you because it's so important and the positive impact you're having to keep going, man, because it's helping people. I know it's helping people and especially men to give men permission to ask for help, to support and acknowledge and empower one another as men. It's needed now more than ever. I appreciate it, man. You know, it's, it's this, this journey has been really healing for me, you know, like 
when I got into this podcast, I knew I had to do it. I didn't know why. I just, it was like deep from my intuition that I had to do it. And, you know, after having 375 conversations plus, it's, it's been the number one personal development healing tool that I could have imagined. Just having these conversations because it's like therapy. You know, hearing someone's story every time and then I am able to like see myself and them and learn a little bit. And then the connection of that is what gives people the permission to, you know, think about their own lives and to make change, right? And it's just been so healing for me. And, you know, I love helping all the men, but like there's a lot of women. This is where I get a lot of the feedback from is that there's a lot of women that listen that that love that we're having these kind of conversations too. For sure. Right. Because it's like, there's like, there's hope, right? Like there's, and, and it, it's, it's, it's good to know because, you know, I don't hear back from a lot of men, but I do get a lot of feedback from women on the, on the topics and stuff. And it's just, it's interesting because the more conversations we have about this stuff, the more it breaks the stigma of, you know, mental health and addiction is like this like taboo topic. Look, we're all fucking dealing with this stuff in some way or another in our lives. Let's just be honest. Like we all have our shit. We're all working through it and it's okay, right? It's all right. But it's like the conversation has to happen. And I think when people go, ah, oh, right, I'm not alone here. They, they're, they understand that like I'm going through the same sort of thing. It's different. But it's like nobody has it all figured out. And I love that you say you're still learning and healing because it's the same way I am. I don't act like I have all the answers and I have it all figured out. I'm like still on my journey. I'm ahead further than I was mm. before, but like I'm not going to claim that I have all of the, everything figured out or life wouldn't be any fun. Right. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a coaching client right now. He's 53. He's got all the money in the world. He's retired. He sold his business. He's retired. He's got all the money in the world. He's got everything. Good looking guy. And we started working together two months ago and he came out for an intensive to San Diego. And after a week, he looked at me and he's like, Andrew, I finally like the person I see in the mirror. Mm. And it's like, that's beautiful, bro. That's why I do what I do, man. That is the most rewarding thing for a guy, for a man to say, I like the person I see in the mirror. That's why I love this work and it's so important. And, um, you know, after the shooting in Texas last week, I was like, all right, Andrew, what am I, what am I doing? How am I being the change I want to see in the world? Right. And so we created a conscious conversations for men in person event every month, holding space for men to come together. And just see, empower, and acknowledge each other and be vulnerable and share what's most alive. We had our first one a couple of weeks last weekend. And just the men who go around and share each person might be a little bit different, their story, but for every man in there to say, I understand. Yeah. And to be able to hold that space and to see other men cry and let down the walls, man, it's needed now more than ever. It really is. It really is. 
So I, I'm curious, let's, let's give it, let's give the listeners a little bit of like insight into some of the work that you do, maybe like what you specialize in. First of all, like, what do you see as like a main, like something that comes up more than others, or, you know, maybe like the top couple things, problems that you see within men that you're working with. And maybe can we give people some like actionable steps that they might be able to like apply in their life today and then potentially look into working with you or what else, you know, what you got going on? For sure. I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that comes up when I work with, it's all, it's women and men, but especially men, it's we're at war with ourselves. Like we're literally at war with ourselves, the stress, the anxiety, and the self-talk it's, it's killing us and it leads to high blood pressure, heart disease, overwhelmed and dysregulated nervous systems. And so the stress and anxiety and negative self-talk is it's universal. All people from all walks of life. That's the number one common denominator I see with people I work with the negative self-talk. And that's the thing that we uncover when we first start working together is unhealthy patterns, limiting beliefs, past conditioning. We're bringing the past into the present broken. There's something wrong with me. And that sent that negative self-talk being at war with ourselves is the number one common denominator. And so discovering the impact it's having on our life, on our nervous system, our immune system, our relationships with those around us. And then discarding and creating new ways of being and stepping into new possibilities. The easiest way we do that, Lance, practical ways, morning journaling, putting pen to paper, asking the question, what is getting in the way of me being my best version? What is getting in the way of me being my highest self? How can I be in alignment with the highest good? What is distracting me? What is blocking me? What is my overwhelming sense of What's the negative belief I believe about myself that I know is not true? Writing it down gives us that clarity and awareness and it loses its power right away. And so uncovering what's getting in the way, discovering the impact it's having, discarding it and creating new ways of being and putting pen to paper, morning journaling is the best and most practical way of identifying that for each of us and then stepping into something new. And we create habits. How do we do that? Do that over and over and over every day for 30 or 60 or 90 days. We rewire our neural pathways in our brain, neuroplasticity, our brain can change based on new behaviors. And so creating a, a structured discipline morning routine is the first thing I do with all my clients. You know, for me, it's prayer and meditation. I hit my knees and pray to God. If you don't believe in God, if you believe in universe, spirit, love, as long as it's something bigger than yourself, a couple simple prayer, prayers, help me be at the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people. Help me have a positive impact on as many people as possible. Help me lead with love and kindness, simple prayers. Medi that's talking to God. Meditation is me listening to God. Easiest way to meditate. Breathe in and out through your nose, four seconds in, hold it at the top, four seconds out, set your timer for five minutes. Conscious breathing is meditation. Prayer, meditation, journaling, three things you're grateful for. 
I'm great. I'm truly grateful for dot, dot, dot. I'm truly grateful for dot, dot, dot. Gratitude. It's like you get a new car. You're on the freeway. You get a car, a blue van. All of a sudden you look around, you're like, holy shit, there's a bunch of blue vans around. Those blue vans were always there, but your attention wasn't on it because it wasn't important to you. Gratitude works the same way. When you look for things to be grateful for, you draw in more things, more gratitude into your life. And so that journaling, three things you're grateful for, and then write three action steps that you want to create that morning for the day, that these are the most important things that you do. You do these three things, they move you closer to your goals and you sleep better at night knowing you got the right things done. And then setting an intention with your journal. My intention for today is have a spread acts of kindness to as many people as possible. Have the courage to have that tough conversation. Whatever that intention is, you're, you have a Northern star and a, and a guide and a moral compass for the day of what you want to do, of the person you want to be. These are my spiritual seven, by the way, prayer, meditation, journaling, make my bed, say, I love you in the mirror and high five myself. Read one or two daily devotionals. My favorites are The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday and Marianne Williamson, The Daily Miracle. Two things that get your brain working in a positive way for the day. And uh, the last thing is mindful movement. Some kind of mindful movement, moving your body, stretching, yoga, breath work, walk outside. Those are my spiritual seven that I work, everybody I work with, creating structure and discipline to start the day. Win the morning, win the day. Mm -hmm. uh, but these are just creating healthy habits done over a long period of time, creates a snowball of positive momentum to change your life in the easiest way possible and just sticking to having a consistent and committed routine every morning. Yeah. And that's so important too. It's like that structure and discipline, it creates, it gives you more confidence, right? And, you know, I think it was Tony Robbins. It's like keeping the promises with yourself is what builds confidence. And I've noticed that too, like discipline and having these things that you do that challenge you on a daily basis is actually going to bring you more peace. Like it's actually like some people think, oh, I don't want to have these things. I don't want to be disciplined and do this, this, this. It's like, well, you're actually... By trying to avoid that, you're actually going to bring more discomfort and chaos in your life, which is going to bring your vibration down, which is going to bring shame because you know that you're not sticking to these things or doing these things that are going to set you up. But it's like when you do these things consistently, you just like you step into this feeling of I, I'm taking my life serious and I'm doing these things that I know feel good to my soul. and. I mean what I say, you know, I make my bed. I love that too. It's like, I, I, I have done something and I'm winning already. And then you go into your life and you're like, I've already won these parts. I've done this, 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 I feel good. Why not try and win in business today? Why not win at the gym? Right. And it's like, when you don't have those things, then you, you're sending the message that it's okay to slack. It's all right to not take things seriously. And then you go, ah, I don't need to go to the gym today. I don't need to do that today. I can just eat whatever. And that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, 
it's so important to have those daily devotions or disciplines or whatever that is to like, to, to give that, that, that solidify that into your day so that you literally set yourself up to feel better, to feel more confident. So yeah, powerful stuff, man. What we resist persists. Yeah. So I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to eat healthy. I don't want to have that hard conversation. I don't want to make that call to that coaching client. What, if, if I'm resisting those things, I'm, I'm putting more energy into it and then it reinforces it more. And then, like you said, it lowers my vibration even more. So I'm putting even more energy into avoiding it. Yeah. It's, crazy. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a downward spiral versus if I do all these things, make a commitment, keep the commitments, do the next thing. It's an upward spiral. It raises our vibration. Yeah. And so one of the things I love doing is I sit in, we have a cold water plunge studio here locally, go in and sit in cold water. I don't want to go, but I know when I sit in that water, Lance, my fuck, my freaking, can I cuss? Yeah, of course. My fucking confidence goes way up, man. (laughs) I get out of that cold. I'm like, I can do anything. Yes. Like the physiological benefits are you know, numerous, but the biggest thing is confidence. I can do harsh things. Yeah. Yeah. You're sending a message. You're, you're, you're seeking the discomfort, which is going to bring you comfort. When you avoid the discomfort, it brings you discomfort. It's like, seek the thing, face the thing. And it actually brings you more bliss later. Like that's the thing. Like you go, cold plunge is such a perfect example of, man, this sucks but I'm going to do it anyway. And as soon as you go in, you do it. You're like, man, I can do anything today. Nobody's going to fuck with me today. My mindset is so strong. <laughs> I'm like, I can do anything. But yes. like, it's crazy how that happens. You get in the cold water from 40 to 57 degrees. Yeah. It's, you sit in the cold water for three minutes. You get out, your dopamine goes up. 250%, your norepinephrine, adrenaline, goes up 530%. The only equivalent of getting your feel-good neurotransmitters to jump that high in such a short period of time is skydiving. Really? It's facts. Science. Wow. So I'm a, I'm a feel-good junkie. I like to do things <laughs> that feel good. So that I get in the cold. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, it's a, it's a natural way to level up. Mm-hmm. But just by sitting in cold water for a few minutes, and it transforms the trajectory of our day. And it's like, like, that's why you see all these people doing it. Tony Robbins, he's got a cold plunge in his house down in Florida. All the athletes, entrepreneurs, the guys who are doing hard things and leading and creating and building are doing hard things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Simple. Like that's why I had to, for me, I had to start doing 75 hard because for me, I needed that. I needed that, like enough fucking around. Like I got to do this for myself and overcome myself and my, my inner bitch, because it's like, I personally have done a lot of the meditation, a lot of the the feminine and sit back and and the meditation and all of the things, which is great. But I'm like, all right, I'm, I need to like get more discipline here. I need to like get some wins on the board, you know? And, and it's funny because like we, we do this and you got to really be self-aware at where you're at and what you need because it's different. Everybody's different, right? Some people are more one way, more the other. 
And yeah, man, and I, I'm starting to pay attention to the people that are really winning and they're doing challenging things. You know, discipline equals freedom, just like Jocko Willing says, and it, it's true. So yeah, man. We are, yeah, healthy stress. Like we aren't yeah. meant to sit around and, you know, if you think about it, our technology in our society, we could sit on the couch all day and not move. All day, order food. Order food, watch TV. <laughs> you can, you, they have built-in bathroom in your recliner. Like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> like, it's sad. And then they yeah. are, like, that's why what were these conversations, Lance, and what you're doing, like, I just hired a, a trainer to push my ass. Yeah. And it's, it's strength training. It's intense. It's an hour, three days a week. I'm in the best shape of my life. And I pay him to hold me accountable because if I didn't have him, I know what to do. I just don't yeah. want to do it. So I'm investing yeah. in people around me to hold me accountable and who lift me up. And, it, it, you know, we are the average of the five people that we surround ourselves with the most. And I'm leaning into my masculine in a way that I've done the feminine stuff. Now it's like, I need to tap into that inner savage. Yeah. I love it, man. So you got your, your podcast, positive impact podcast. It's called. Yep. Positive impact. And where, where else can people find you and work with you? Okay. So for my private coaching program, the Andrew Schultz.com is my website and that's S C A L T Z. It's got a U L T Z in there. Andrew Schultz.com Instagram at the Andrew Schultz. Send me an email or a message and we'll set up a 30 minute free discovery call to identify, uncover, discover, and discard, uncover what's getting in the way. What do you want to, what new possibility do you want to step into? I empower people to take radical responsibility and create new possibilities through vulnerability and connection. And that's what we do. And I lock arms and we, one, one day at a time, arms and their biggest cheerleader. And I would, it's, it's my purpose and passion helping people step into their we're all worth it. We all deserve it. And some, it just takes people around us to help lift us up and empower us here. Absolutely. Awesome, man. We'll have all that in the show notes. Your website's great. It's nice and clear, easy for people. And yeah, looking forward to sending everybody to your podcast as well. Make sure to go leave them five-star review and subscribe to the Positive Impact Podcast, everybody. Make sure to do that. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. It was awesome, Andrew. Thanks, Lance. And I just want to acknowledge you one more time, bro, for all that you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's making a positive impact in the world and it's needed now more than ever. And I see you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed that episode, please go over to Apple, leave us a review or Spotify. It's greatly appreciated. I love to see, you know, what you guys got out of it. And if you do feel called to do so, tag us on social media, share it, share the shit out of it, I like to say, with somebody that needs it, or just tag us on social media. It's always great to see it pop up. I never get tired of that. And I'll always reshare. I always reshare anything that somebody tags from University of Adversity all the time. So takeaways from that episode, um, like I mentioned before, I really resonated a lot with Andrew's story, uh, especially well, I mean, a lot of it, the, the dealing, going, moving through alcohol, getting through that, that's still, I mean, I'm six months sober. That's still a process I haven't fully mastered yet. He's, you know, he's well into it, which is amazing. And 
you know, but talking about the psychedelics and just how powerful it can be for your healing, that was another big thing that I, I really resonated with. And, you know, just, I don't know, the, the dealing with the stuff around our fathers, our dads, you know, just there's, there's so much stuff that we learn and we absorb and, you know, it, it becomes us later on in life. And it's like, you gotta, there's just this unlearning and this healing and this, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but, um, you know, working through that kind of father's approval kind of thing is tough. And, you know, for me, it's, it's something that like, I never felt unless I was doing something really, you know, that made my dad happy. I never felt like I really got his approval that much. Like he loved me. He was a great dad and stuff, but like, it was always like, unless I performed, it was, it was never like, it never felt like, I don't know, unless I did well, you know? And then I always chased that validation. Even in, even now, if I'm not doing something or getting some sort of something or showing that it's actually working or producing results. It's like, I don't, I don't know. It's weird, but I really resonated with, um, that part of Andrew and just like, it's a bit different obviously, but like, you know, having a dad in sports growing up and this, all of that stuff. So I don't know, that's an issue that I, you know, still losing my dad. It's been, it's been tough. So Anyways, it's something that I'm working through and just kind of wanted to share that with you guys. I talk about it in my book too. It's, you know, it's never, it's never an easy process, right? Um, but it's great that, you know, he's able to heal that with his father, which is awesome. And, you know, it's beautiful to see him and his, his relationship with um, Melissa, a good friend of mine, because she's awesome. And they've really embodied what it's like to like have two people and just be on a journey together, healing together. And it's great. So. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. Let us know what you thought of the episode. And as always, if you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do so on Apple or follow on Spotify, CastBox, wherever you listen. And if not, you want to watch on YouTube, go ahead and watch on YouTube. We're available there and hit the bell to stay notified. All right. Much love, everybody. Hope you have an amazing day. Catch you next time.